The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games to play on your table and on your television. You could think of us as the He-Man and Battle Cats of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who is always the master of his universe. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing just fine but i i must say i'm i definitely not the he-man in this duo i'm definitely the the orco <laughs> oh i loved orco i had an orco <laughs> toy that had a little thing you pulled and then he would spin in circles it was great yeah so yeah so. that's me the comic relief i'm not <laughs> i'm not the he-man in this maybe the she-ra <laughs> I don't, She seems pretty cool. I haven't watched the Netflix She-Ra. Well, don't, be, don't be so surprised that I called myself a cool person. <laughs> I'm just saying that is the, in the context of how you said it, it sounded like it was supposed to be a put down. But maybe maybe my perceptions of your context were incorrect. I apologize. No, just in comparison to your He-Man. That's oh, all. I don't, I don't she was good on her own. They're, are they twins? Is that their thing? I don't think so. <laughs> are we? Are they? Are they not siblings? Is that not their thing? No, I don't believe – well, you know, I don't think they're siblings, but who knows? It's been probably 25 years since I've seen an episode of He-Man. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't they making a live-action He-Man? Well, they did. Yeah, they're well, – they, yeah, they A are, new one, right? They're making a new one, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. Do you have any desire to watch a live-action He-Man? I actually am in the minority of people who actually enjoy the Dolph Lundgren He-Man. <laughs> uh, Frank Langella uh, being Skeletor was incredible. Um, he did a great job. So uh, I'm, I'm looking up to see if Masters of the Universe 2021. Oh, wow. Uh, Noah Centineo. Centineo. He's from All the Boys... I loved before. Oh, I haven't watched that, but I hear it's good. And the Fosters. He's he's the teen demographic, so okay. uh, he could be fine, but I just don't know who he is. So yeah, this is our movie podcast. <laughs> you know, I have thought about whether we should do a once That's a month. Entertaining. Well, <laughs> it's entertaining. But <laughs> well, a once a month board with movies or something like that. I don't know. I feel like we should because we always talk about movies or something else at the beginning of the podcast for very long. And while I have gotten some positive feedback on it, I've definitely gotten some not so positive oh, feedback on it from time <laughs> to time. So, you know, try to be respectful. But, you know, we don't get to talk to each other all that often. So, it's you know, we kind of go off on tangents sometimes. Yeah, we can do um, board with things. There we go. We could do that. <laughs> can just and be just whatever we want. And talk about whatever. And people can just not listen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully they would listen. Hopefully they would listen. But oh, hey, we don't you know do it. We don't do it for them. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm we kidding. do it for the. <laughs> 
we definitely do it for ourselves to mm-hmm. a, to a to a certain degree. And I think you know, not to get on a soapbox here, but for podcasting, for I think a lot of it, you have to do it for yourself or the people you're doing it with, because even if you become a moderately successful podcast, not a lot of money in it. It's not the thing that you're rolling around like Scrooge McDuck in your vault of, of money afterwards. You got to do it because you enjoy it and you enjoy the people you do it with and the people that listen to it and you interact with and stuff obviously is really important as well. But yeah, this is not a, unless you are, you know, Joe Rogan or something like that, you're probably not making a ton of money off of your podcast. So that's true. All right. But with that, soapbox out of the way we will jump into it a little bit of housekeeping to start things off metafall is going on now so thank you so much to those of you who have entered already we actually i think at this point already have more contestants entered than we did last year for metafall awesome that's good to so hear. please keep it up we really love all of you who have jumped in please tell a friend again for all the rules and to enter just head to bit.ly slash metafall that's b-i-t dot ly slash metafall all lowercase and just enter your predictions for the metacritic scores of the games that are listed there coming out this fall Uh, again the list of the 10 games is on the site and whoever guesses closest is going to win some great prizes and second place will win some prizes and maybe there's going to be a fun third prize for kind of a determined category right now but we'll see how things go if not we'll figure out another cool way to give away that third prize so again thank you so much to all of you who have entered but please continue to get the word out we'd love to see this contest kind of become a big huge thing uh so yeah let others know tell your friends uh i know people typically don't want to because obviously the less people that enter the better chance you have to win (laughs) but just think of it from the fact that if more people enter is something that we're willing to invest more into. So you can win better prizes and bigger prizes. And I always thanks so much for being here each week. We really do appreciate it. If you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit up, up us up at Board with Fiji on Twitter or check out all the things posted over on the Instagram, also Board with Fiji. We are a proud part of the Play Some Video Games Network and Play Some Video Games is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with all the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share what we do with someone else who may enjoy it as well. And finally, we are also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So Josh, we are a couple weeks at this point into our new audio setup. Mm. And I must say, before we jump into the news, one thing I've noticed is while local recordings like we're doing definitely increase the audio quality, I really recognize how much my mic picks up of every little noise I make, including, you know, taking a small drink of something, (laughs) a little mouse click, you know, me putting chapstick on in one of the episodes I could hear. It's pretty interesting. So again, dear listener, <laughs> we thank you as we kind of go through and figure this all out. Hopefully, as the weeks go by, there will be less and less ASMR on every episode. Um, but with that, Josh, what is some of the hot news in the world of board games? We really haven't talked about news since Gen Con happened. That's true, Kyle. <laughs> So, uh, yes, uh, Gen Con news, for sure. 
uh, all that stuff happened. Uh, <laughs> there's the first news I'm going to talk about. I'm actually already already in a Facebook group for this. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Invited uh, by the the one and only uh, Colin uh, Flores of Plat Hat Games. Uh, since he seems to know what I like, uh, Fantasy Flight. This is uh, from DiceTowerNews.com. Uh, Fantasy Flight Games announces Marvel Champions, which is very exciting um, to me because basically, on the face of this game, it just looks like Overpower 2019. It like, really they're, does. They're they're taking what I think a lot of the fans missed. When they rebooted Overpower, uh, with the, these last like series that came out, because um, it didn't really feel like Overpower, uh, even though it had the name, uh, this really looks like down to the power on the cards with attack and defense and and the animation style. It, it all looks like Overpower, um, but let me give you the. The details. So, uh, Fantasy Flight announces a new living card game, uh, which is called Marvel Champions. It's a cooperative game for one to four players. Each player takes the role of an iconic hero from the Marvel Universe. Uh, and each hero has their own customizable deck of 40 to 50 cards representing their powers, tools, and allies. The players team their heroes up to defeat the villain, uh, who is not controlled by any of the other players. Each villain has their own deck. Uh, also, uh, complete with evil schemes and encounter cards that represent their powers, tools, minions, and more. The villain activates once for each hero in play. So, uh, it's a little bit of Lord of the Rings living card game meets legendary Marvel meets overpower. Um, what I like is that you buy the base set and that's all you gotta buy. You just buy the base set. It comes with all the cards you need. You're not buying packs. Um, or the core set, I should call it. They're also, they're already putting out dates for dozens of expansions. I believe the first one is Green Goblin. Um, uh, one, uh, so one of the interesting aspects of each hero deck is the double-sided identity card. One side for the hero and one side for the alter ego. Uh, some abilities are only available while the hero identity is face up. Uh, heroes with their alter ego face up will not be able to attack villains directly, but heroes can heal and access unique abilities in their alter ego form. Uh, the core set includes over 350 cards, 100 tokens, 5 hit point trackers, and more. Um, I'm going to look up the price. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, this game interests you at all, Kyle? So I can't help but notice that you mentioned all of these games that this game kind of seems to take some inspiration from. Yeah. And you didn't ever mention Sentinels of the Multiverse. <laughs> I think you know why. <laughs> I know. I know exactly why. But I'm just saying, I feel that there's definitely some Sentinels, Sentinels of the Multiverse vibes in this as well. Sure. But yeah, this definitely interests me. I think it seems like a very cool game. Uh, the core set is fifty nine ninety five. There you go. So sixty bucks on Fantasy Flight's website. So maybe you could get it elsewhere for a few dollars less with I think Asmodee's deal. Um, I don't know that you could get it with that much less because usually they are pretty strict about their prices at least at launch. So yeah, this is cool. I'm excited for this. I think. I don't know 
if I will get it, because though it is one to four players, I'm not sure how often my partner would be into this, but I do see this as something we could definitely play on game nights. Uh, I just worry about, because this is kind of what happened to me with Lord of the Rings, the, cl- the card game, is that, yes, there is no chase for rares or anything like that because it is a living card game, but they have expansions planned for every month. Yeah. That's a lot of expansions. <laughs> and I get you don't have to buy them, right? You can have the 350-card core set, have some probably a great time with that. But you know me. I know me. I'm going to want to buy every darn one of those things. So that's the only thing that is preventing me from getting into on it. But even at the $60 investment, it seems like a pretty great deal. Yeah, for sure. Um, even just for collectors, I think the, the art alone is, is great. So it looks like it'll be a nice set to have um, for people like me who <laughs> buy games and shelve them for months. <laughs> <laughs> So Unint- I assume, though, unintentionally. Is, I assume this is something you want to get in on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to have this. Um, okay. And I mean, I'll just Keyforge Fridays can alternate between Keyforge and Marvel. <laughs> there you go. Uh, speaking of Fantasy Flight games, they also announced <clears throat> Arkham Horror Final Hour. Uh, this was a surprise to most people that I've heard. Uh, it's also not an expansion. Keeping on the surprise track, it is a $40 Arkham Horror game, and it plays right. in under an hour. What is going on? So this, to me, this is the perfect gateway Arkham Horror game. And mm-hmm. I haven't played it yet. It might not be good. But on on paper, this looks like it's the perfect uh, gateway into Arkham Horror. My my big worry, and and I'm curious your opinion, is do you think for have you played the previous like Arkham or Eldritch Horror? I have, but I've played. I've never owned them. I have Elder Sign, but okay. I've never owned any of the other bigger games. But I have played them at gatherings of friends and things like that. So my worry for me, I, I don't own. I don't own them either, but I have played them multiple times. Um, But I do own Mansions of Madness. Uh, I'm curious if I will think this is too light. That's Mm. my worry. While it might be a good gateway game for people who haven't played Arkham, is this going to be too easy or too small? Like, it doesn't look small by... Uh, by any means, it looks the same size as a, a regular Arkham Horror game. Uh, the components are definitely not as high in quality. They're cardboard standees instead of, you know, uh, miniatures. Right. But um, it doesn't look bad, to be totally honest. So I'm really curious uh, what this is going to be like. Right. Uh, I think the $40 price point, like you said, is a really nice price point to get in at. And similar to Elder Sign, it doesn't have any of the miniatures. The board is a whole bunch of cards you just set out that because it changes so frequently. So from a component standpoint, you know, and also even for that game, even though it's quote unquote lighter, I think because of the heavy Yahtzee mechanics, it's not a quote unquote easy game. Yeah. And I don't I don't necessarily know that this would be either. I do think it's interesting that it is round-based, you only have eight rounds. So I'm yes. wondering if that's maybe where the challenge comes in, is that you have 
not unlimited decisions, but you you kind of know what you need to do. But how do you get them done in the amount of time you have? I'm wondering if that's maybe where the challenge for this comes from. But on the face, the art looks nice, like it usually does with Fantasy Flight. I'm sure the production values uh, are still quality for what's in there. But yeah, it seems like a little more of a budget-friendly price, which I'm okay with. We've talked a lot about the price of board games. Yeah. And as someone who is kind of spent on the Arkham theme if you would and the idea of the hp lovecraft stuff i'm kind of i'm kind of over that right now um but at this price it seems like a good a good way to get in uh and it's definitely something i am more interested in than if it was one of the big box versions that we've been getting over the last few years for sure uh, for anyone who's curious it is a cooperative game for one to four players so um that may or may not be more appealing or less appealing to you so, uh, yeah, quick so, question yeah. before you move on. Number one, how do you feel about Lovecraft, Cthulhu, Arkham? Are you still in on that theme? Is that a theme you enjoy? Um, I enjoy the theme to the extent that I don't understand it uh, um, uh, literal, <laughs> literarily. Right. <laughs> like I haven't. I'm not. I haven't read, read H.P. Lovecraft. Um, I'm familiar with. Cthulhu and the monsters of Lovecraftian lore, but mm-hmm. I've never read anything right. besides Mansions of Madness and Arkham Horror like story to um, feel like I feel about zombie stuff. Gotcha. Final question: If you were, say, you were standing at a coffee shop, a brewery, something like that, hmm. and the person ahead of you that you don't know is talking to a friend. And they say, yeah, I was just playing the Arkham game. Do you think Batman or do you think Fantasy <laughs> Flight? What do you think first when you just hear Arkham? If they just say Arkham, <clears throat> I don't know. Because now that you ask me that, I question what I would have thought. Um, I probably identify the board game Arkham, the Arkham board games more than I do the Batman Arkham. Mm-hmm. But only because Arkham for Batman really isn't um, a large part of Batman. I mean, it is right. for people who don't know Batman, but um, it wouldn't be something I – like if they said Gotham, yeah, obviously. But, right. but Arkham, I probably would think the board games. It's interesting because if it was someone I didn't know anything about randomly, I would assume they're talking about the Arkham video games just because I feel like those are so much more popular. And I tend to assume people are into video games before I assume they're into board games. (laughs) So anyway, I just thought it was an interesting thing to think about. That is a good question, yeah. Um, And finally, from Fantasy Flight, they announced, uh, surprisingly very uh, recently, compared to their last expansion, a whole new set for Keyforge. Uh, It's called Worlds Collide. They're offering a, a bunch of different options in this one. Um, so there's going to be a premium box. There's going to be the regular uh, Archon pack. And then there's a deluxe Archon set. And then there's the two-player starter set. Um, the biggest news is that it is adding two new houses. Mm-hmm. The Saurian Republic, which are lizard people. And the Grand Star Alliance, which are like... Uh, um, Nova Core, if you know Marvel, um, 
Space Marines, kind of stuff like that. But they're removing my least favorite house, Mars, and Sanctum. Um, so it's it's interesting to see them uh, changing up the houses, but trying to keep it balanced by also removing houses, not just adding new houses to the existing ones, uh, which I think is smart. Uh, they're adding new mechanics. Um, such as warding and enraging. Uh, wards can now be placed on cards in play, um, each ward protecting them from a single attack, which is pretty cool. Basically a shield, which is what Sanctum was really known for, so they're just kind of replacing uh, Sanctum's uh, you know, basic shields with a, a special card that does that. Um, you can also exalt creatures, placing a precious ember on the card, making the creature more powerful. However, like captured ember, when the creature is defeated, the ember goes to the opponent. Uh, this was from Um Yeah, I mean, it's more Keyforge. I'm happy about it. I don't know that I love four different ways to buy a set, a starter set, or, you know, they're... They're adding these tuck boxes and token boxes and chain dials and stickers um, to kind of go along with this new branding they have for all this key forge accessories that just came out at Gen Con. Right. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, but to be 100% honest with you, they were really hyping up this real reveal and everything looks like weird premium accessories for a game that doesn't that could just go for some regular chits and tokens like they're really like it's like a leather case with felt inline and all this kind of stuff so it's not for me it, you know it might really hit this niche for a lot of people mm-hmm. um that that really want to like glamorize their Keyforge decks, but for me, yeah. I just I would just like some tokens that aren't cardboard that fall apart. Uh, so I'm I'm a little bit easier on that. Does this set even remotely interest you more into coming into Keyforge? So the thing I don't totally understand is obviously they're bringing in two new houses or whatever. Yeah. But they're getting rid of two. Mm-hmm. But can you still play those two in tournaments? Yeah, in tournaments you can still play them. Okay. Um, they just they'll they will end up nerfing cards that are OP after they test them. Uh, there's a couple cards in the first set that became too, way too powerful when the second set came out, so they just eliminated them from tournament play or changed how they worked. Gotcha. Um, so they'll do the same for this. Um, but yeah, you can still play Mars in, in Sanctum against these houses. In fact, in the in the new set, not this set, but the last one that just came out, they introduced cards that um, are specific against certain houses mm-hmm. as far as like some of the abilities they can do. So um, if you're still playing, there, there will probably be cards in this set that affect Mars and Sanctum cards, even though they're not in the set. Right. Making them viable. Yeah. And I do like the... In some ways, I think it is kind of 
telling that there's certain approach that you can just buy the Archon deck, you can buy the Deluxe one, you can buy the two-player starter, and now this premium box, which even the premium box still is only $40. Yeah. Which Fantasy Flight, you know, the big games they announced at Gen Con, all coming in pretty reasonably priced, which is is nice to see. And it's starting to feel... Every time they announce one of these sets, more and more like a magic release, right? That you yep. can get. Here's the set. Here's all the ways you can buy into it. Figure out what is best for you and now go play against your friends. So I have definitely been interested in this game. I just know that my partner's not going to play it. So for me, yeah. unless I could find a regular group to play against, it's not something I should jump into or it's not something I've convinced myself is a good idea to jump into. But, you know, if I did, or if I had someone I know I play, would play against, then absolutely I would, in a heartbeat, buy this. Because even if you think about getting the two-player starter set, it's twenty-five bucks. Yeah, and that's a, a ton of play for really not all that much money. So yeah, and the art I think in this, to me at least, the art in this looks like kind of like it's a step up. I really appreciate the art with these two new houses quite a bit. Yeah, the, the story in house really looks very cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, so next up, well, if you follow our social media, you'll see that uh, one of our listeners has actively been uh, tweeting at Direwolf Digital uh, and thankfully hashtagging us, which uh, I appreciate (laughs) you keeping us in the loop. Um, But Raiders of the North Sea digital game is now available uh, from Direwolf Digital, but not only is it available... On Switch, Steam, and mobile, but it is crossplay on all of those devices, which is very impressive, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't played the game yet. It is on my. I need to buy it the next time I turn my Switch on to not play Ultimate Alliance. Um, Wait, are you saying so that you won't play Ultimate Alliance, or you're going to turn it on and not play because you haven't been? When I t- the only time I've turned my Switch on recently is to specifically play Ultimate Alliance. Gotcha. So I haven't had time to like go into the store, download games, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, Raiders of the North Sea is a very, very, very popular board game um, by Renegade Games, correct? They, I believe, are the publisher, yes. Yes, they're the publisher. So Direwolf Digital picked up the rights to... Uh, published this game digitally. Yeah, the game even was nominated for the uh, Kennerspiel de Jairus in 2017. It, also, it has also two expansions since. Um, via Dice Tower News.com and Raiders, players use a twist on standard worker placement. A single worker is held in hand, which is placed on the board to select a first action. The second action is selected by picking a new worker up off of a previously used space. Workers come in three colors, restricting which actions can be done by which workers, which is a smart take on worker placement, or a fresh take, at least. Um, So, from everything I've seen, it's been getting glowing reviews. But like I said, I haven't played it, so, I mean, I would prefer to give a review based on playing it. But uh, what do you think of this? Is this something you're going to get? Do you have any interest in the digital board game, the physical one? So I definitely am interested in the physical one. And I just looked it up. 
I think there are 13 different publishers listed for this game on Board Game Geek, <laughs> one of which is Renegade Games. Okay. Uh, Garfield Games, I think maybe it was the original publisher. I could be wrong, though, or maybe they're the current publisher. I don't know. As we've said many times on this show, very confusing how board game publishing works. Um, I'm interested in it, and I, I wonder if this is the best way for me to do it. Have you looked at the price of it at all? I haven't. I kind of assumed it was 20 bucks, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you so I just looked at the price on hmm. on iOS. Okay. What do you think it is on iOS? 9.99. That is exactly right. It is huh. 9.99 and that seems like a good price for me for this game uh, just knowing how much play it has. Yeah. So, we'll see especially since it has cross platform. I'll probably look it up on Switch as well just to see how much it is there if it's still 9.99 or if there's a Switch tax on it. It's 20 on Switch. Okay, that's a pretty hefty switch tax. One hundred percent. Um okay, so You're gonna yeah. get Donnie mad at me. <laughs> I was just saying. Um but that's true for basically every game from yes. iOS to any other platform or from mobile to Well any let's platform. see what it is on Steam. I'm not logged into Steam, oh, so I'll I'm let not you do either. that. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> so But yeah, so definitely interested. Uh and yeah, I think the fact that they have cross platform play is excellent to see and definitely makes it more likely that I will pick this up. But I would like to get the actual physical board game as well. So very cool Raiders of the North Sea. Digital Steam. I can do two things at once. Watch me go. Simon announces Cyberpunk 2077 Afterlife, the card game. So, Simon and CD Projekt Red uh, are joining together to, well, make a board, a card game based off of the upcoming RPG. So, <laughs> via Dice Tower News, this is where we go. Uh, longtime cyberpunk RPG fan, M- Eric M. Lang, who we know from Blood Rage, Rising Sun, Arcadia Quest, and many others, uh, teams up with, uh, Andrea, oh, uh, teams up with a guy or girl who did Kingsburg and Hyperborea <laughs> to design Cyberpunk 2077 Afterlife, the card game, a game that thrusts players into the dark alleyways of Night City where ruthless gangs with corporations in an endless war for money, power, and control. Gangs clash. They're not just corporations. Uh, You're going to become, in the game, you play fixers, uh, data brokers, and masterminds who recruit cyberpunks, equip them with gear, and send them out on missions. Uh, The game uses a drafting mechanic and a special dashboard to provide players the opportunity to decide whether to spend limited funds to add the cards to their team, or to sacrifice cards to build capital. Uh, Players must balance between what they can afford and what they need to ensure a successful mission. Their street cred, the only currency that truly matters, is riding on this. Uh, Each successful mission raises the player's street cred, and mission survivors become veterans, imparting their knowledge and experience to newer recruits. Also, Raiders of the North Sea is $14.99 on Steam. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for doing multiple things at once. So the switch tax is $5. Uh, and it's not even for a little baby cartridge. It's for digital. Uh, yes. So uh, it's set to release in 2020. Um, what I did find out doing research before we covered this is Cyberpunk... 2077 is not even based off of 
the video game is based off of a novel. So there even there's even deeper lore for Cyberpunk 2077. Isn't it based off of an RPG? An RPG. I said novel. I meant RPG. Okay. Sorry. I meant tabletop RPG. Uh, <laughs> not a novel, but there's probably <laughs> a novel based on the tabletop RPG. Uh, does this uh, does this interest you at all? Uh, are you, like, <laughs> I don't know where where this comes from and how they're trying to create hype off of a game that isn't out yet. So, do you remember there was those rumors that CD Projekt Red was working on three cyberpunk games at the same time? You think this was one of them? I would say, do you think this was one of them? And that's why <laughs> cyberpunk basically said, you're all, you're dumb. This isn't what's happening. But I wonder if maybe this was one of them that had been talked about. Um, I... I don't know if I obviously the designers are excellent. They're very good designers who are working on this game, which I'm excited about that aspect of it. But I don't know if I'm excited about Cyberpunk totally yet. I mean, it does have Keanu Reeves. I wonder if there's a Keanu Reeves card. <laughs> Johnny Silver Arm or Silver Hand or whatever his name is. Um yeah, I, I'm interested. I don't know that I'm gonna buy it sight unseen. If it was a I'm less interested in this game, for instance, than I am the God of War card game because I played the video game, which has gotten me suitably hyped for what that card game could be. So potentially after I play Cyberpunk, I might be more excited about this game than I am currently. What about you? Do you have any interest in this game? No, not at the moment. All right. The game might change my mind, but um we'll see the game might seems a little more fallouty than i might want it to be so i might not right. even play the game <laughs> uh so we'll see though uh, i rem- i i think i'm more interested in the shadow run board game than i am in this okay i could see that for sure okay so a couple of weeks ago we talked about Corey kaneska doing a career retrospective on fantasy flights website and little did we know, it was like a obituary <laughs> for his career at Fantasy Flight. <laughs> it is interesting, uh, though, because when I read that, I, the first thing I said was, man, I wonder if he's going somewhere. Yes. I thought I thought that the end of it was going to say, oh, I'm so thankful for my time here, new adventures in the future, yada, yada, and then didn't. But that's kind of what I thought it was going to say after I read it. Yeah, well, uh, essentially, you predicted the future because... Uh, Corey Kaneska is joining Asmodee North America, or Asmodee USA, depending on who you talk to, <clears throat> and he's uh, heading a new studio by the name Unexpected Games, which is intriguing, to say the least, based on the name. Uh, it, it is, I guess, its mission statement uh, is Innovation and Idea Incubation. Uh, so it sounds like, like beta testing, uh, new types of games, kind of like maybe what the fantasy flight tried with the unique game system. Yeah, so I hope he's true. not taking some ideas from them. I think, cause I think <laughs> that was his thing, wasn't it? I don't know. Uh, the one, the game that was the actual board game that was different for everyone. I think yeah, yeah. that was his design. That, well, if it was, then it make this total. This makes total sense. Uh, according to Kaneska, he says, "Our quote: Our goal is to create games that are novel, fun, and accessible. We hope to surprise people and create experiences that they have never had before." 
Uh, and and that's all we have. We have no info. Is this exciting to you? What do you think about this announcement? Well, and I think that's the thing that's interesting is he's quote unquote leaving Fantasy Flight, who is owned by Asmodee, right? Who whose corporate headquarters are in the same building as the Fantasy Flight <laughs> headquarters. Yeah. So, you know, kind of leaving, I guess, but walking down the hall probably is more of what's happening. But I think it's interesting to see him get out on his own. We talked about how he has done a very excellent job of creating some absolutely stellar games. And I think he too often is overlooked when it comes to really quality designers. And mm. I hope this gives him a, an opportunity to truly stretch his legs look at maybe doing some original IP more than working with others IP and seeing what he can do with that. So I'm looking forward to what, you know, they're saying the first game should be out in 2020. I'm looking forward to seeing what that game might be and kind of what direction it goes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we talked about his list of accomplishments. I think anywhere he was or is, I'd be interested to see what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. I'm about to be invaded by a cat. I hope that doesn't mess up the audio. Uh, <laughs> next news. You can find this game at Target. It's called the Trapper Keeper game. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Big G Creative, that is the name of the company, have created <laughs> three different versions of the Trapper Keeper game. If you... Went to school like I did in the 80s and 90s. You might know what a Trapper Keeper is. If you go to school now, you definitely don't know what a Trapper Keeper is. So I don't know that I can help you with that. But essentially, there's a folder, usually Velcro, that holds all your things in it. Uh, Spiral notebooks, uh, rulers, pens, pencils, whatever you got to bring to school you could put it in your Trapper Keeper and you could buy cool designs like Space or My Little Pony or, or a sweet Lisa Frank one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was always the thing. You'd go to the Staples and you'd try to find a Trapper Keeper that had a picture on it that you liked. You could mm-hmm. have Marvel or Star Wars or all these things. So, in the Trapper Keeper game, Players are students who are collecting papers from the from the lockers and placing them in their folders. Doesn't that sound fun already? The papers are divided into nine stacks and arranged in several rows and columns face down to create a set of lockers. The top card is turned over to reveal the paper inside the locker. The bell cards keep track of the rounds in the game, but also provide additional rules for school paper selection unique to each round. I could keep reading, Kyle... But I don't want to. (laughs) There are cards in the game that have quizzes, homework, secret notes, detention notices, parental signatures, report cards, and field trip slips. This game sounds horrible. (laughs) Wow. Okay. It is designed by Prospero Hall, who did Disney Villainous and Jaws. And a lot of stuff. Bob Ross and Choose Your Own Adventure. Yep. It plays two to five players in about 25 minutes. <clears throat> this is all via DiceTowerNews.com, by the way. Uh, I have zero interest in this game. Zero nostalgia for Trapper Keepers. Zero interest to play any board game based on me going back to school. So, 
Where does this sit on your interest meter? The only reason I put this in the news was because I said, I read the story and said, who in the world decided (laughs) that they had so much fond nostalgia for their Trapper Keeper that they need to make a game out of it? Now, more power to you. Designing games is very hard. So Prospero Hall, you do some very cool things. But my goodness, (laughs) this is another time we talk about the unique, unique themes and things that happen in board games and i think this is just another one you wouldn't see the trapper keeper video game no trapper (laughs) keeper board game i think it's sweet i'm never i'm never gonna play it but the fact that this exists for some reason makes my heart happy awesome and me the opposite (laughs) next story (laughs) uh simon announces a successor to blood rage and rising sun it is called Ankh, Gods of Egypt. And it's by Eric Lang. And it's themed on ancient Egypt. So I'm immediately interested because I like both of those things. And Eric Lang isn't a thing. He's a person. But I like Eric Lang and I like <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> uh, so have a, in the game, you play as a god of Egypt, ancient Egypt. Uh, competing to survive as society begins to forget the old ways so that only you and your followers remain. Ankh, the symbol of life itself that even the gods must fight for. Again, via DiceTowerNews.com to shut it off at Gen Con 2019. Um, I mean, it has miniatures. It's designed by Eric Lang. The art is impressive by Adrian Smith. It is, well, they have called it the Strategic Trilogy, which I wasn't aware of. But this is the third and final game in the Strategic Trilogy by Simon and Eric Lang. Um, There's not a lot of details for the game, except for what I just read. You can summon monsters. You convert followers. Uh, It's two to five players. Just think from what what I gather, if you've watched like any, I know that, the theme isn't Egypt, but if you watch like Percy Jackson or uh, Troy or Jason and the Argonauts, any of these movies where the gods are angry and they have to make people believe in their power again, like you get to step into their shoes and scare people into believing that you still exist, is what it sounds like. Uh, I'm totally interested. I can't wait to hear more information. Uh you're kind of playing a game right now that kind of hits on some of these notes. What do you think about this board game? So, real quick, obviously in the Dice Tower News story, it talks about how Rising Sun in 2017 raised $4.2 million mm. when it was on Kickstarter, right? It was 100 bucks for a pledge, raised $4.2 million. This, that was the second game of the Strategic Trilogy, which, again, I didn't know that was a thing either. But the first game, Blood Rage... Blood Rage was $75 to back. How much money do you think Blood Rage raised on Kickstarter? Well, it's Vikings. So there's a huge following for that. But I'm going to guess since $4.2 million was a record breaker, I don't know, 500000 More than that, but it was $905,000. Okay, so less than a million. Less than a million, which... Honestly, surprised me because I've heard so many people talk about how amazing Blood Rage is that I yeah. figured I had to make a ton, right? I thought I had to be over a million dollars. Easy. But nope, $905,000. So, 
I'm excited about this. I think if you look at the progression, obviously, of Blood Rage making 905000 to to uh, Rising Sun making, you know, over $4 million. I do wonder when this Kickstarter comes at the end of 2019, how much... I'm assuming the game's going to be in that $100 range. Does that seem fair, probably? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to tell based on the art. I don't know if the box is going to be as big as they, like, make it look. Right. Um, because uh, it looks like a small profile box, so it could be less than that. But if it's like a typical Eric Lane game, yeah, probably 100 bucks or more. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely interested. I am having a harder and harder time spending $100 on a Kickstarter, even though I just did it like a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, sleeping Gods, here I come. But yeah, I, I'm interested. I haven't actually ever played Rising Sun or Blood Rage. Um, so maybe this will be, you know, nothing like jumping it on the third game of the trilogy. Uh, maybe this will be the one, but I'm definitely interested to see how this does. I know this will, because of Simon and Eric Lang, this will definitely be, I think, the hot talk for a while. Um, so I'll definitely keep a close eye on it. I don't know if I'll back it, but I'll definitely be keeping an eye on it. That's for sure. Yeah. Hey, you put Anubis on the cover of a board game. I'm interested. Yeah, I that- hear that. That is all of the board game news that we have to cover. <laughs> so that was a lot of stuff. So we'll yeah. kind of roll through the video game news here because it shouldn't take too, too long. And just a few stories that I found interesting. First off, potentially sad, but also interesting. Annapurna, the films or Annapurna Studios, Annapurna Pictures, that's what it is. Annapurna yeah. Pictures is potentially looking at... Um, declaring bankruptcy. That is the rumor on the street that they are looking to um, maybe rearrange some of their assets and how those things work. And if you're not familiar with Annapurna Pictures, they have done some really excellent movies. Uh, They uh, produced Her and Zero Dark Thirty. So they have done some really excellent films, but they've hit a rocky, some rocky times as of late. Well, Annapurna Interactive is the video game arm of Annapurna, if you would. And similar to the success Annapurna Pictures has had, Annapurna Interactive has released some absolute gems of games, including What Remains of Edith Finch, which was, for me, a Game of the Year contender. contender. This year, Game of the Year contender for a lot of people, Otter Wilds. Florence, which is a great game on iOS. Donut County. They've done a ton of really quality games. Well... Obviously, with Annapurna Pictures said, hey, you know, money isn't going so good. People right away right away worried about Annapurna Interactive. However, they're saying we're good. So there were some feed, some back and forth on Twitter about people being like, oh, man, someone needs to save Annapurna because we really don't want to see them go. And Annapurna Interactive tweeted back, we're not going anywhere. So luckily for all of us, Annapurna Interactive, the maker of some very niche indie games looks like that part of Annapurna at least is sticking around is that good news for you sir yeah I'm very surprised about Annapurna Pictures because they seemingly were very successful studio house for films and put out a lot of good films Um, so that was surprising to me but yeah I mean Annapurna does great games so I'm happy to see them sticking around and I hope the best for their film studio as well Indeed. Like you said, their their movie studio is also quite good. So very surprising. Also, so hopefully they can figure some stuff out so they don't go away. Uh, last week, we talked very briefly about some of the tragedies that have happened in the United States. And I made the comment during that that, you know, <laughs> we always talk about we need to do something. And, I, and I'm not a fan of doing 
something for the sake of doing something, right? Like if you're going to do something, it should be thoughtful. It should be, you should put some research into it potentially and the impacts that it might have and how it might influence what you're trying to change and why you're making the change. But I said, you know, we're at this point with shootings in our country that we probably should try to do something. Well, Walmart decided they were going to do something. (laughs) And what that something was, was they were going to start removing advertisements for violent video games as well as other things. So anything in their store that advertised violence in some ways, including in their hunting section videos and things like that, that played, um, they decided to remove those from the stores, but they are not going to stop selling violent video games nor stop selling guns and ammo and all of those good things so josh they did something is this is this the right thing to do or does this just maybe divert from what the real problems are and was i an idiot for saying just do something (laughs) well you know it's interesting guess what every news story is not talking about them removing other advertisements all that you're hearing about is that they're removing violent video game advertisements from stores. So the problem there is they're still just focusing on violent video games, even though they're removing other things. So it's not helping that aspect of the problem. Um, However, uh, doing something is what they're doing. They are removing um, violent advertisements. Good for them. That's smart. I just wish the story was that. Not that it had to single out video games. Um, It could have included them in what they're doing, but the problem is, well, I don't want to get political, so I'm not going to. But if they advertised it as removing violent images from other departments, maybe in Walmart, there would be probably a bigger uproar than there is for video games. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. So we'll we'll see how it goes. And there's been a lot of misinformation around this because at first there was reports saying that they were pulling violent video games and not selling those anymore. And so there's been a lot of – you have to go digging to find uh, what is actually going on. But, yep, definitely the advertisements are coming out for many, many things. But obviously the bulk of what those advertisements are are video games. There's more advertising in the video game section than there is any other section in the store. So even if they are removing other things, which it sounds like they are, that's going to be less, there's going to be less of that removed than it is when it comes to video game packaging and advertisements and all of that good stuff. So yeah, interesting. I mean, it's, it's a thing, I guess we'll see, you know, at this point I'm willing to say, Hey, maybe we'll see if it has a difference. I don't think it's going to, I don't think this is going to solve the problem, but you know what? They're trying to do something, which is, I guess, more than I can say for other people, but I'm worried that this might something might point us down the wrong path of how to fix this situation. Those advertisements will be back up in three months. When oh, people they forget will be. about it. When they when we get to the holiday season and they want to start selling some stuff, those yep. will one hundred percent be back up. Yep. All right. So Josh, what are the chances of Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo teaming up about loot boxes? About the same odds that they would show up on stage at the Video Game Awards. So 100%. That is correct, (laughs) sir. 100%. So yes, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo have said that they will start requiring developers to disclose loot box odds by the end of 2020, it sounds like, I think is what the plan is, and that... Many publishers, including Activision, Bandai, Namco, Bethesda, Bungie, EA, 
you know, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony themselves, Take-Two, Ubisoft, Warner Brothers, Wizards of the Coast, they're all on board. They said, yep, we'll do it. Sounds good. So, Josh, is this uh, Ring the Duff Bell, if you would, for loot boxes, or is this them policing themselves before others police them? Um, I mean, this is like the bare minimum that could have come out of those Senate hearings for this, so <laughs> I guess we have to just kind of accept what we're getting, but uh, we talked about this a while back, um, about how odds work, and if you would purchase knowing the odds to get right. the skin you want. So, this is also, like Walmart, a small step forward, but in the right direction, I think. Uh, at least now people can make an educated decision on whether they want to, quote-unquote, gamble their money on a loot box. Because now they're they're seeing those odds on the legendaries. And that might give some people pause to not spend money. It might make people spend a lot more and then try to sue people because they didn't find the odds <laughs> to be in their favor. Right. So, uh, I think overall it's positive, but I mean, we'll definitely see some, some negative feedback from it when it officially comes out. Yeah. I think this is just them honestly putting a bandaid on the issue in some ways, similar to when they started rating games in the nineties. I think this is them seeing the writing on the wall and saying, we need to do something before then. So, okay. Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, yeah, we're going to come out and say, whoa, this sir has to be done. We got to be pro-consumer. It's a step in the right direction, but I think they were doing it because they saw that this was going to happen anyway. I think the big telling part of it will be, okay, odds have to be disclosed, but where and when? Is it right when I'm buying the item or is it buried in some terms of service somewhere that I have to go looking for if I want to find it? And I think there's a lot of things like that. That'll be very interesting to see. Is it breaking down what is my chance of giving this specific item or what is it my chance of giving a legendary? Because if there's 20 legendaries, that, are, that that changes what my odds are of getting the specific item that I want and all right. those good things. So I think we'll see what happens as this continues on. I think it's better than nothing, but I don't know that it's much better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's a, bare, it's a bare minimum change. Yeah, so – like I said, still happy to see it, though. I think having those odds, I hopefully they're there and very visible for us all to see. I still think going to just being able to buy the item I want would be better. But this is still a step in the right direction, as you said. And finally, what was maybe the biggest story of the last couple of weeks in the world of video games? Ninja is now on Mixer. Twitch is no more for Ninja. Streaming exclusively on Mixer. Josh, I don't know about you. I didn't get a call from Microsoft offering me money. Did you get a call offering you money to stream on Mixer exclusively? Based off of our one Dead Space 3 stream? Nope, I didn't get any calls. We had viewers. <laughs> we had viewers when we did we had, that. Yeah, we had a alpha viewer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were very they were very excited we were playing Dead Space 3. Um, <laughs> how much do you think Ninja got paid? Oh, you know, um, I intentionally didn't look to see what he got paid. There is a rumor out there, but I don't know how accurate it is. Oh, I mean, he had to get have gotten paid millions of dollars. <laughs> so the rumor, again, rumor, no idea, but this number has been uh, repeated multiple times. So if I am spreading misinformation, I apologize. But the rumor out there is he got $50 million. Holy cow. 
For it was six years. Was that what it was? I think five ish, something like that. Yeah, five or six years. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, I thought it was way lower than that. Um, yeah, that's crazy. That's stupid bananas. Like he just like a professional athlete, the older he gets, the worse he's going to get at video games. Right. So, <laughs> so if that he's, contract is not good for Mixer. <laughs> but it's great for him, right? Like get your money, right? Sure, sure. Even uh, if it's half that, good, good for him. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not going to get me to feel good for Ninja. <laughs> I'm not saying you need to feel good for Ninja. I'm going to be have- that guy, that. Old man who hates teenagers. <laughs> Ninja's like 28 or 29, though, isn't he? Is he that old? Uh, yeah, then I that's, think he's That's old. an even worse pushing... deal for Mixer. <laughs> yeah, I think he's in his upper 20s. I could be wrong, but I feel that he's pushing 28, 29, something like that. Yeah, um, he's he's just in that group of uh, borderline toxic uh, gamer personalities that I don't like, so I don't appreciate him getting that contract. <laughs> gotcha. Do you think... Do you think from you know Microsoft and Xbox have really been positioning themselves to be about the gamers and for the gamers do you see this as a good move for the health of Mixer for the health of the Xbox brand for all of that you know your personal feelings about Ninja aside maybe if you can yeah. do you think this was a good move a good business move by them to do this i mean if that if it's that much money no but it, just getting him to their platform, I think he got like a, a 1 million subs in like a week, mm-hmm. and that's 1 million new subs to Mixer. So right. that's huge. Uh, so, yes. Um, I don't know how Mixer monetizes, uh, what they're getting per viewer, per sub, who's giving, like, who's buying those Mixer coins or whatever. I know it's not bits because that's Twitch, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever, income mixers making if they got one million new active users they probably made their money back uh, or will make their money back i just think it's i don't get this i don't get how youtube makes money i mean i do but i don't yeah but i don't like wholly understand it i know that it's ads but i don't understand how they monetize YouTube's a lot different than Mixer. YouTube yeah. is there's like a billion hours of <laughs> video right, right, right. every day. Um, I'm just I I really wish I knew the inside like finance like how it worked for Mixer because I f- I think it's just something I'd be fascinated by. But yeah, I mean good good for them getting the 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 viewers, and I'm sure Twitch isn't bitter about it. <laughs> Well, that's an excellent segue, Josh. It's like you knew. So not long after Ninja left Twitch, Twitch then used Ninja's channel on Twitch to start promoting other streamers on Twitch. And one of those promoted streams on there was an inappropriate stream. And we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) So of which Ninja got pretty upset by. Mm. posted some videos about how he felt he was being treated unfairly by Twitch and that they didn't do this to any other streamer, and that's only his, that is being used to promote others. And Twitch basically backed down and said, yep, you're right, our bad, we shouldn't have done that. We'll investigate to find out how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we know how it happened, Twitch, but that's fine, you investigate away. Um, so, yeah, Twitch seemed to be ha- be a little sour grapes about it, it seems. And as someone who uses Twitch almost daily, I watch a lot of Twitch, I'm actually 
again, I'm not a huge fan of Ninja either, but I am pretty happy that Mixer went for this because I think this is the only way at this point right now, I think, to create a reasonable competitor to Twitch is to get some of the big names and get them on your platform because why else would somebody want to go to Mixer? Or remember when Ustream was a thing for like 38 days or something? (laughs) This is what they're going to – I mean, if YouTube with YouTube gaming couldn't compete with Twitch, what other choice do we have other than going and getting the best quote-unquote talent you can and getting them to to stream exclusively on your platform? Yeah. So, and I do think for them too, this is a, a forward looking decision by Microsoft because I, I feel like when Scarlet comes out in, you know, a little over a year probably from this point, I think we're going to see a lot more seamless integration between um, Scarlet and Mixer. And really, in some ways, I think we're going to see kind of the roles of what maybe OBS does and things like that for a lot of streamers all just wrapped up into one package uh, to make streaming even easier for folks than it is right now. So I think this is for them kind of starting to play the long game, getting people used to using Mixer. And then when that next hit comes with the new console, there's going to be a whole lot of features pushing that even more about how easy it is um, to just stream on your own and you can become your own ninja. <laughs> uh, just means I'm gonna have to see more of him at Microsoft stuff, and I'm not real happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are other streamers I would have picked ahead of Ninja, but hey, he can't. You know, his his star power is what it is. Um, and you know, even if that fifty million dollar, whether that's true or not true, I mean, for how much he was making a month streaming on Twitch, if it's fifty million over five or six years, it might even still be a pay cut for him. <laughs> that's which is which is you know something to think about, but I guess. You know, he's getting older and you want to have that secure future. So that's a pretty secure future, Kyle. <laughs> that is a pretty secure future. Absolutely. So, hey, I mean, I'm not upset with Ninja getting his money. Go get your go get paid. But yeah, I wish I was good enough at video games to get paid for doing that and had any idea about how to stream effectively or anything else like that. <laughs> All right. So with that, Josh, that's all the news. And that was a decent amount of news. But yeah. we're going to move on to our topic of the show. And from time to time, Josh, we think we know best. I think as we went through all those news stories, we very clearly talked about how we know best (laughs) about a lot of things. But whether it be how we should be doing something at work or at home or or how companies that work in the game industry should be doing things, we surely in those situations know how things should be done. So we're going to exercise that part of our brain. And we're going to be making some decisions for some gaming companies about the things we think they should be doing. Important things to note is that we only have the power to make one and only one decision for any company or organization and that they would have to do it and it would definitely happen. So with that, we could pick as many companies as we want, but for each company, we only get to make one decision. With that, Josh, we're just going to throw things back and forth. We haven't talked about the companies we're going to talk about, so... (laughs) We're just going to kind of throw these back and forth and come up with some decisions. I will start, if that's cool with you. Sure. So here's my first company. I'm going to go with Capcom. Interesting. So if I was running Capcom, I would demand a new (laughs) Dino Crisis game. Okay. Because now I want to say, I recognize, I I don't think Dino Crisis was actually all that good. And if I went back and played it, I'm not sure I would find it to be a stellar game. When I played the original Dino Crisis, I had a really fun time because mm-hmm. dinosaurs are sweet. 
It was the best Jurassic Park game I had played up to that point, even though it was pretty different than Jurassic Park. But running around in a world full of dinosaurs in a kind of spooky, kind of sometimes stressful environment, I want a new Dino Crisis game. So if I was running Capcom, I would demand a new Dino Crisis. We have been, they have been hitting it out of the park with all their games as of right, for the most part. Capcom? Marvel versus Capcom 3 was standing. Yeah. Resident Evil 2. All right. The okay. Devil May Cry 5, Monster Hunter World, they've been doing a good job. Right, so I, th- right. I think Dino Crisis is time for it to come back. If you, sir, were in charge of Capcom, <laughs> what would be your mandate to them? Oh, if it was Capcom? Yeah. I'm oh. just saying I'm throwing this one out, so now you got to pick one for Capcom, too. I don't know why I have to do that. Um, uh, gosh, Kyle. <laughs> if it was me... Okay, I would go back to... I would make them, right? That's what we're doing. Yep. Making a decision for them that they have to do. <laughs> uh, I would make them do another 2D Street Fighter. Oh. Old school, original, none of this 3D nonsense. I would make them do a 2D art-looking, hand-drawn art-looking beat-em-up with proper story for each character. None of this awful pasted on terribly voice acted stories for these characters a proper like what if you watch like i did the street fighter anime series mm-hmm. like story straight out of that i would i would want a proper none of these anniversaries none of these redos i want my my original street fighter back awesome. make street fighter great again <laughs> excellent <laughs> what is the first company on your list sir it's Bioware. Ooh, okay. I, I feel like I, I might know where this is going, but I would love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, Bioware needs to be its own company. <laughs> okay. And it needs to make a direct sequel to Mass Effect 3. Okay. And it needs to continue that story, and it needs mm-hmm. to bring back every single person who worked on the original <laughs> Mass Effect trilogy. Okay. And it has to be good. It's <laughs> a lot of demands. That's right. That's that's pretty good though. You did you ever finish Andromeda? Finish? <laughs> I barely I know, started had, it. <laughs> but had, you had gone back. No, to it, I put though, it in like you? fifteen hours. I haven't gone back to it yet. Okay, gotcha. That's a good one. That's a good one. If I was if I was going to do Bioware, mm-hmm. uh, my mandate to them would be they need to do a full remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy. A remaster, okay. I'd yeah. be up for that. Yeah, so a little a little easier on them than you. I want them to kind of pick their future, but I want a full remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy, because that was a great trilogy of games. It was wonderful. Yes. So, all right. My next company that I have on my list is Wizards of the Coast. Uh-oh. Though I don't play a lot of Magic anymore, what I would demand is that the card Lightning Bolt <laughs> must always be standard eligible. One mana, three damage instant spell one for one red. Always must be playable because as someone who played a lot of red and played a lot of red deck wins, um, I want Lightning Bolt always to be an option to me, even if it's overpowered. <laughs> so that's my mandate. Lightning Bolt must always, always be eligible. And I know power creep, everybody's going to talk about balance, but I don't care. I want Lightning Bolt in all the time. <laughs> okay. I guess... I have to pick Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> you gotta come up with something for Wizards of the Coast. Okay, ready? Yep. 
Wizards of the Coast has to shatter its doors. What? And sell the Magic the Gathering license to, to Fantasy Flight Games. Oh, man. <laughs> and then Why they would you say that? rehaul Magic the Gathering to be uh, non-collectible, buy a pack, you play the pack, and it's called Keyforge the Gathering. <laughs> I was going to say, by shuttering, by shuttering Wizards of the Coast, though, you're also getting rid of D&D. Yeah, no, actually, uh, <laughs> if I had to pick uh, Wizards of the Coast, I would... Um, to take board games into video games, I would have I would make them create um, a Magic the Gathering um, RPG uh, similar to like Dragon Age. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, so a role playing game people could play that would get them into the Magic the Gathering world, whether it's Planeswalkers or 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 um, uh, Ra- Rav- Ravenica, Ravnica, Ravnica. Something like that. Something that takes place in one of their previous sets that could bring people into their their uh, gaming world and kind of cross um, that board game video game line. That's a good one. I like that a lot. Thanks. I came up with it right now because I didn't I know. know. <laughs> That's the point. You have, one, you have ones you get to think about and ones you just have to come up with. It exercises multiple parts of the brain. It's good for us. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, ready? Yep. My next one is 2K Games. Mm-hmm. 2K Games needs to commission Jaeger Development to make another game for them. Jaeger Development made Spec Ops the line. I want them to make... I don't want to tell them what kind of game to make. I want them to bring the same people back who made Spec Ops the line. And I want them to create a new original IP for 2K games. Literally, it could be anything. Um, but I would love to see what the studio can do more of. Um, they also did Dreadnought, which is a pretty successful game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I would be curious to see what they could do with some 2K money. And if they kind of gave them that idea, like we want to see if you can like capture lightning in the bottle again. So when you say 2K, to be clear, you're saying the publisher. Yeah, 2K Games. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that's a tough one. I think what I would have to go back to in this situation, I'm going to say that 2K Games, I would tell them they need to re... <laughs> Might as well go over the top. They need to reopen Irrational Games. Mm-hmm. And... Give them all of the people they need, whether that be Ken Levine or whoever, to make the next Bioshock game. Because okay. there's rum- there's rumors abound that there's a new Bioshock on the way. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Is it Hangar 13 making it? Who exactly is making it? We don't necessarily know. But that's what I would have 2K Games do. Reopen Irrational. Ken Levine, let him hire his whoever he wants to back. We get the new Bioshock game. So that's, that's what I'm going with for 2K. All right. This one is one you might have had one for because it's a bigger company. So we'll see how this goes. Nintendo. Hmm. <laughs> did, you have a, did you have a Nintendo one already? No. Okay. Nintendo. They are never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever allowed to use motion, motion controls in a game ever again. <laughs> Can that include rumble feature? 
Can we take that out rumble. too? That's fine. I mean, if you want that to be yours, that's fine. But sorry, my switch when it rumbles, it goes. Oh my god! I know it's really loud. It is definitely HD rumble. So that is my Nintendo decree. They must get rid of motion controls, and they are never allowed to use them again because ugh, the motion controls. Unless okay. you're in VR, I don't, I don't, I, I struggle with them as a whole. So, what would you have Nintendo do? Huh. It's so tricky because, like, Nintendo redoes so many things. They do. Very I hate much to, so. I hate to pile onto that, but I would really like for them to. So we have the new Legend of Zelda. Um, game coming out. It's like the Game Boy Advance. Like, mm-hmm. was it Link's Awakening? Mm-hmm. I would like to see them do the Link's. Oh, sorry, they have to do the Link's Awakening treatment to original Super Mario RPG. Ooh, from, uh, I think it's like a, a thousand door, thousand year door, or something weird mm-hmm. like that. Um, I absolutely love that game. Um, I still love that game. Uh. They need to give that the Nintendo remaster treatment. There you go. That sounds great to me. What is next on your list, sir? Oh, I just I almost blinked. Um, it's from Sony Band Studios. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, they need to take every copy of Days Gone and put it in that E.T. landfill. <laughs> what are you I'm ki- talking I'm, about? I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, they need to... Uh, Make a new siphon filter. That's a good one. It needs to happen. That's uh, a really good one. There's people growing up who don't know what siphon filter is. It's true. It's just as crazy as people who don't know what SOCOM is. Yeah. It, you, we need a siphon filter game because Uncharted, Uncharted is potentially done. Siphon filter would fill that void. It has a similar play style, as far, not story-wise, but as far as playstyle goes, action-wise, um, SB we don't have a Splinter Cell, and it doesn't seem like anywhere coming out soon. It'll be like prime <laughs> time for them to pop out a siphon filter, like right now. Yeah. So they need to make a siphon filter in five days. That's my demand. Five days. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm sure it'll be awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, ben Studio. Yeah, I could see. I would be down with a siphon filter. Um, and whether or not, whether or not Uncharted is gone is an interesting question because there is that rumor of Sony having another, a new studio they haven't announced yet that is working on Uncharted. So we'll see if that happens. But if I was going to have Ben do something, Ben, this is going to be really hard for them to do because you know what? We're going to do it anyway. Ben, they need to make a new Uncharted game for the Vita. Oh my God. Because I still love my Gross. Vita, I still love my Vita, and Golden Abyss, maybe not Fight for Fortune, but like Golden Abyss style game, Uncharted game for Vita, let's do it, Bend, and then you'll have to close down afterwards, because it would cost us so much money, but, oh man, yeah, that's what I'd have Ben do. Alright, next one on my list, Days of Wonder, Okay. must make Ticket to Ride Legacy. Oh, that would be really cool. I just think, I think we kind of joked about that once on the podcast, and I would totally be down for a legacy version of Ticket to Ride. So that is what I would have them do. Uh, Get Rob Davio on the phone. Let's make a Ticket to Ride legacy. That's what I would require of Days of Wonder. What would you require of them, good sir? Days of Wonder 
needs to make a proper Small World 2 board game. Ooh, that's really good. That's really, really good. Because it's, uh, I have, I think, all the expansions. But for anyone looking to get into Small World, it's nearly impossible for you to get into this game right now. Right. Without, like, it's kind of like trying to play Legendary Marvel. Like, where do you start? What do you buy to go with it? Do you play the base game? Can you find the base game? Uh, They have a Small World 2 app for the PC. Why not Mm -hmm. get a Small World 2 or 3 or New Small World or Big World or something? They need to reintroduce everyone to Small World because it's a great game with great mechanics that I don't know that I've seen other games do besides Small World. So we need more Small World. I agree there. Definitely agree there. How many more do you have on your list, sir? I have one more on my list. Okay. I have way more than that, but I can just do one more. That's fine. <laughs> okay. So, my my next one uh-huh. is stupid. Again, it's never going to happen. But Konami needs to fix their relationship with Kojima, and, with Kojima and get Metal Gear back, baby. <laughs> and they need to, I don't care how they do it. Maybe they'll give him a $50 million contract to, <laughs> to come back, but Konami needs to fix what they did to Kojima, and we need proper Metal Gear sequels till the day I die. I want Metal Gear 12, 13. You don't have to call it that, but we need Metal Gear back. And now. <laughs> so what is it about Metal Gear you specifically want back? Are you saying there's no chance that Death Stranding will itch the same or scratch the same itch No way. There's no – not even remotely does this game look like Metal Gear. <laughs> well, right. It doesn't look necessarily like Metal Gear or maybe play exactly the same. But what are you wanting – like what is it about Metal Gear that draws you in so much? I mean Solid Snake back. Man, what if he shows up in Death Stranding? I don't think he legally can. <laughs> uh, but we saw how da- how mad David Hater got on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so uh, that Evo pr- thing. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure that Snake isn't going to show up in Death Stranding. Yeah, I, I really. If anything, I want them to fix that because it just looks so bad for Konami. Mm-hmm. And I've been a fan of this for a long time, but I don't know that I was ever a fan of. I was a fan of them without Kojima. Like there's games that they did that, like Silent Hill, that didn't have him involved. But I would like to see that relationship mended and some more Metal Gear games to be birthed out of it. I didn't include any board games on my list. I see that. I see that. Um, so for Konami, this is tough. I think where I would go. I am going to say that I was going to be really cheeky and said that they need to turn Metal Gear Survive into a game of service. (laughs) Um, But I am going to say that they need to, whether it be by getting Kojima back or whatever it is, they need to, to the best degree they possibly could do it, finish PT. Yeah. I I think everybody wants that. That's what I would make them do. And like I said, if that means they have to get Kojima back to do it, so be it. But they, they need to finish PT um, because that thing, hoofda, 
Still on my PS4 to this day. Probably one of the biggest gaming mistakes that and that has ever happened. Them, <laughs> them removing that and not letting people play that. I know. That was that was very silly of them. Very, very silly of them. Okay. So, Josh, here's the thing. Because you're going to have to give feedback on these two. Okay. So, I have one, two, three. I have five left. I'm going to let you pick which company we go with. Okay? Oh, boy. So, the companies are PlayStation. Uh-huh. Microsoft. I can tear apart PlayStation in front of you. I know sure. you can. PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. Microsoft. Yeah. Asmodee as a whole company. Okay. Plaid Hat individually. Yeah. Or, or Square Enix. Ooh. All right. How about Plaid Hat and Microsoft? Oh, two of them. Okay. Oh, you said two, I thought, right? I said one, but we'll do oh, two. That's fine. Okay. We'll do two. All right. Plaid Hat <laughs> Games. Every other game they release must contain the crossroads card mechanic <laughs> or mechanism for the world board game world okay. crossroads games must be a more regular thing that is my decree to plaid hat games crossroads games let's do it okay i was gonna i was gonna say you know i kind of contemplated like a dead of winter video game and a lot of other things but or new dead of winter board game even but this is where i'm going plaid hat crossroads games so Say we all. You didn't even think Dead of Winter Legacy? I had contemplated Dead of Winter Legacy as well, but I already did a Legacy one. And I didn't yeah. want all of my board game ones to be Legacy because they probably could have been. Okay, I will say this. Planet Games needs to either sell or reverse the decision and put out more Guardians expansions. So they either need to sell the Guardians brand to another studio, maybe Asmodee, who would publish it, uh, or they need to reverse their decision to shelf Guardians and release the second expansion and do more. All right. All right. So that leaves us with Microsoft. Do you want to go first for Microsoft or do you want me to go first? I'll do Asmodee. I don't want to do Microsoft. Okay. I think. We'll do Asmodee. Okay. <laughs> Asmodee it is. All right. As decreed, all games released by Asmodee, and I, this was included in my tweet, all game boxes must be identically sized. <laughs> That's awesome. If the game doesn't fit in one box, then it gets two boxes. All games, same box size. So it is decreed. That's smart. I like that. I don't know that I want to buy a game with two boxes, though. But, uh, yes, I think that that's pretty smart, having all game boxes be the same size. But you can just put them right next to each other on your shelf. But then so, you're going to have boards that are split in two because they don't fit in one box. Take it. Oh, have you seen how much of those boards fold? It's going to be fine. Oh, man. Fold Get it. a neoprene mat. There's a lot of things you can do. <laughs> be one box of just one folded board in it. <laughs> 15 folds. That would folds. be an adventure. <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay, here's mine. Asmodee needs to figure out what the heck they're doing with their digital releases of their board games and be better and fix and put out quality digital adaptations to their board games. Full okay. stop. <laughs> they do. They typically do a pretty good job. Name one that they've done a good job with. I don't know. Don't they do a good job usually? (laughs) You're just assuming. (laughs) I am assuming. You are correct. There's got to be. I have to have a good game on my phone that's from Asmodee Digital. I have to. I'm going to look. I can't do two things at once like you can. You'll have to wait till next week. (laughs) We're going to have to actually because I actually deleted almost every game off my phone the other day. So that's not going to work. 
All right. Let's Quality say consoles then, not digital. Uh, yeah, they, they just really messed up with Katana pandemic. and Pandemic. Yeah, I You're agree. not winning over anyone in the hobby. Get Be better. You have the money to be better. <laughs> yeah. All right. That 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 is a few of the things that we would demand. Dear listener, we would love to know what you would demand of companies. And Josh, one of our listeners did submit a thought that they had. Why don't you share it with us? That's a racy one. Uh, Splig at Dopalicious on Twitter says, if he could force a company, is that what he said? This is the topic, right? Yep. Tiny Epic Triple X re-releases everything as Giant Epic Triple X. <laughs> And then he says, uh, triple uh, uh, X, insert title here. Not, well, you know what I mean. So I think he means, you know what I didn't mean. Right. And yeah, so he would, that's smart, right? So instead of tiny epic galaxies, we get giant epic galaxies. That would be cool. I think people would play those. I agree. That would be very cool that they could have both sides of the spectrum <laughs> taken care of. That'd be awesome. Great idea, Schplag. Also, make and- sure you back... Ultra Tiny Epic Galaxies on Kickstarter right now, actually. Oh, is it really? Uh huh. <laughs> well, there we go. Ultra Tiny, not Ultra Giant. Nope, just even smaller. I guess it's the size of a deck of playing cards. Oh, that is small. Wow. Yeah. All right, dear listener. Well, thanks so much for going on this journey with us this week. As always, we love to leave you with something else we're doing or into currently that maybe is in a game that's helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our dear listeners? Take a hike. Literally? Literally. Take oh, a nice. hike. <laughs> yeah, take a hike. We went out on a hike. Uh, we have uh, um, a place close to us called Purgatory Chasm. Or that Ch- sounds Chasm. very nice. It is awesome, <laughs> despite the name. <laughs> uh, there's We took our, our son, our little two-year-old, climbing rocks. There's a playground. It's a, it's a park, so you're giving money for parking back to the state, which is nice to support the parks. Um, we're going to go back again this weekend. We're going to stay the whole day and bring a packed lunch and Enjoy the weather. So get out while you can before fall hits us, smack in the face, and freezes us right back into our houses. Get outside and take a hike. Maybe go fly a kite while you're at it. Ooh, fly a kite, take a hike. Wow. Look at you go. <laughs> That's oh, me. What man. about you? I know I know what yours is, and I need to do what your suggestion is. All right. So my suggestion, dear listener, is there is a show on Netflix that I highly recommend you check out, and that show is Mind Hunter. The first season is currently available, and the reason I'm recommending it is because the second season comes out Friday. Tomorrow, if you're listening to this the day it releases, Friday, maybe last Friday, depending on when you listen. Uh, but this show is excellent. Uh, Mindhunter is a show that is about kind of the beginnings of criminal profiling and criminal psychology uh, or the behavioral sciences unit of the FBI, if you would, and kind of when it started in the late 1970s. So very cool show that really looks into not only uh, some well-known serial killers uh, that have occurred in the United States, but also really looks at the lives of the people who are potentially trying to catch them. Obviously it is a drama. I'm not saying all this stuff is exactly um, 
how it went, but it is definitely an engrossing and then an engrossing show. The acting is very, very good. It's very moody. Um, really enjoyed Mindhunter. So if you've ever enjoyed any of the serial, you know, type of shows like Bones or Criminal Minds or Castle or anything like that, Mindhunter kind of takes all of that and bumps it up a little bit to the next level. Uh, highly recommend it. Like I said, season one currently available, season two available this Friday. I am super stoked about it. Josh, awesome. that's the show. What do you say yeah. we uh, wrap this thing up? Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag board with Fiji. So please use that hashtag. We had some pretty great ones over the weekend. Uh, make sure you check your targets for board game clearance. Uh, whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox and PlayStation. Uh, why so serious? That's S I R R I U S. Kyle, where can they find you? So you can find me on all the usual places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. As a reminder, Metafall is going on. Please enter the Metafall contest. We'd love to see as many entrants as we can. Bitly slash Metafall. That's B I T dot L Y slash Metafall. Also, Josh and I are uh, planning to stream a game here in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, the tentative plan over Labor Day weekend is we're going to stream Man of Medan because it's a spooky game that you can play co-op. And that seems like a good idea for us to do. We'll probably uh, die a lot. <laughs> yeah. I assume we'll probably do it on Mixer would be my guess. If, if it's good enough for Ninja, it's good enough for good us. Enough for us. And it's just really <laughs> easier to do. It's really easy to co-stream there. So be on the lookout. We'll give you specific times as we get closer. But that's something we want to do a little more often is stream some games for you all. So Man of Medan, coming up Labor Day weekend. Um, be on the lookout for dates, times, all that good stuff. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media. Because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone... Whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.